Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Leah Gervais. Leah is the founder of Urban 20-something and a side hustler turned full-time entrepreneur that helps young professionals start and scale profitable businesses around their nine-to-five jobs. Her for-fun blog turned into a side hustle that earned her more than her day job, and she loves teaching others what she learned along the way to change their financial realities. She truly believes in the life-altering potential of the side hustle and is on a mission to bring it to as many as possible. I'm so excited to have Leah here today to chat all about how she started her blog in the middle of a quarter-life trap. So let's dive right in. Hi, Leah. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here, and I cannot wait to chat all about your blogging journey with you today. So before we dive into this episode, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all. Sure. So thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I started my business about two and a half years ago in 2016. And when I started it, I really did not know that it would be a business. It was just a blog at the time. And it was really supposed to sort of be for fun. Although admittingly, I didn't start it in the most fun of circumstances. I started it feeling pretty lost in my own life and especially in my career. And so I started it to write about kind of my journey of, of career fulfillment and finding, you know, what it is I really wanted to do. And I wanted to connect with other people that I figured felt the same. I knew I couldn't be alone. Um, and, you know, little did I know, not only would my website document my path to career fulfillment, but it itself would become my career. That is awesome. Well, that's that's really cool. Um, a lot of people kind of start a blog in the midst of, you know, something in their life going on. So I love hearing everyone's different stories, you know, about how they got started. So, you know, was it this one big life event that occurred that made you want to start a blog or, you know, um, you know, what was the main thing that you're like, oh my gosh, like I need to do something other than what I'm doing right now and I need a hobby or something like that? Yeah, it was pretty much one main thing. I hadn't really considered it. I mean, I, I had read blogs, uh, you know, just for fun and thought they were interesting, but I hadn't ever really wanted to start one until I declined my law school acceptances. That was sort of my big moment when everything changed in my path. I had been, I, at the time I was working at a law firm in New York and I had always thought I was going to go to law school. I went to undergrad, all through undergrad, assuming I was going to go to law school. Like I said, I worked at a law firm. I worked really hard to get into law school. I took the LSATs twice. So, you know, for years, that was my plan and my path. And something in my gut um, basically told me the day that I was going to decline my acceptances that I, I didn't want to do this. This wasn't going to be the right path for me. I wasn't going to be happy. Um, and I, I took a leap and listened to it, but it was scary because I had no other plan. I didn't, I didn't even know what else I was interested in. And I had a job in that field. So it felt very, you know, 
out of alignment going to work after that, knowing that this was a dead end. And so it was just a really confusing time. And that is when I really felt like I needed to start a blog because I knew that I was going to, I just knew my life was about to change quite a bit. And I had no idea what that meant or what that was going to look like, but I wanted to write about it. And I certainly wanted to try and be transparent about my journey because when I was declining my acceptances and I was researching what else I would do with my life, I just felt like I found nothing online. I felt like all the advice I found was really kind of uh, fluffy and unclear and at the time, I didn't know what advice I was going to be able to give because I didn't have the answer, but I wanted to write about the journey along the way. I love that. I think that's really important. And, you know, it was a big leap of faith for you to take, but obviously it ended up working out. And I feel like sometimes when you do take those leaps of faith, that's when it ends up being really great because that is the, you know, you don't have a backup plan. So you know, you're, you have to fight or flight, you know? So it's one of those things that you're either going to do really, really well and succeed, or you're going to fail and then be back to square one. So, um, I think that sometimes can really ignite a fire in us when we have like, you know, either I can do this yeah. thing and make it great or not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I totally agree. I think all my best decisions in life have been from that sort of fight or flight place. <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> I, I mean, some people like live by that. For me, I'm like very, very, I wouldn't say straight laced, but I really like to kind of go by the book. So I, whenever I did become an entrepreneur, it was really, really scary for me because I had never done anything like that in my life. And, you know, now I'm a little more risky than I used to be, but it's definitely like that one thing that was like, oh my God, what, what did I just do? Especially like even like a month or two into it, I'm like, wow, like, you know, what did I get myself into? And it ends up working itself out. And here I am like two yeah. years later, you know, having everything way better. But, you know, in the moment it was like, wow, what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, I, so when you decided to start the blog, you know, how did that look? So you're starting your blog, you're still working at the, the law firm. How long did it take before you were able to get your blog off the ground and kind of find a new career path? So I kind of, it wasn't very much, it wasn't a direct path basically from there. So I did decide pretty quickly after I decided not to go to law school that I did not want to work at a law firm anymore because I didn't see the point. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, I didn't know what else I wanted to do and I was really confused. So I ended up just kind of quitting my job without a plan and I decided to travel by myself for several months. And so during that time, that's when I really started blogging. Um, you know, I, I, I think I only, I, I think I put out about two blog post a week at that time. I wasn't doing it every day, but uh, that's when I got really into it and really learned about basically how to build a website, how to build an email list, how to use social media. It was just like this new world to me. And since I <clears throat> was traveling by myself, I had a lot of time to, you know, look into it. Um, but then, you know, at the time I still didn't really think that this would ever be, it would ever be my job. And it was still just sort of a way to connect the way I had intended it. So I came back to New York after about four months of traveling and got a, another job in New York at a wonderful nonprofit. And after having been in uh, Cambodia where I was traveling and Asia and I volunteered over there, coming back to work at a nonprofit felt really right. 
-hmm. And so I did that for another um, couple of years um, when I got back. And it wasn't really until I would say about a year into my blog, having been a blog, that I realized I could monetize it. And once I started, you know, seeing that that was possible and that not only was it possible, but it was happening for me. And um, once I started making about a thousand dollars a month from it around my nine to five job um, a month is when things took off really quickly. And from there, it was sort of just a matter of months before I was making more from it than I was making at my nine to five job and sometimes even two times as much. And then I was able eventually to, to resign from my nine to five job. And that was obviously because I was making enough money to uh, support myself. But I also just felt like the message that I had started, you know, this for all along started getting bigger than, than I was able to, to, to do just around my nine to five job. I felt like it was really important to continue spreading it. And so between those two things, I realized that this was sort of the fulfillment I was worth looking for all along is right under my nose and was able to make it my job full time. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's really great that, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I just quit and, you know, decided to become self-employed and end up working out. That's not the reality for everyone. Like, I mean, you went and traveled yeah. months and then you still picked up another full-time job after the fact, just not in the, um, law space. So yeah, I think that's really great because, you know, a lot of people are like, I just left my full-time job and then it ends up working out, but there's like no, you know, it's not, that doesn't work out for everyone. So I love that you like kind of shared that you didn't just pop right into your blog and made it work. Um, especially because it used to be a lot harder to monetize. There wasn't a lot of information out there on how to do it. Um, now people with like yeah, right. 5,000 followers on Instagram, you know, can start getting sponsored opportunities. And that wasn't really the case back in the day, even like two years ago. So it's, it's come along. Yeah. Yes, I agree. It's very different. So kind of in that same vein, as blogs continue to gain popularity, new influencers are popping up on a daily basis. What are some of the things that we can do to stand out among the crowd? And, you know, since there's so many influencers popping up every single day. So the, what I attribute my growth to um, and what I advise a lot of my clients to focus on and what I always will believe is the most stable way to build an online business is through your email list. And I think that especially now with the boom of social media and even within social media, new things popping up every, it seems like every month, something, you know, even like Facebook Live is relatively new. And then now there's Instagram TV and there's, um, there's just always something new and it can feel really daunting because you kind of want to be on the forefront of a lot of that. And I love these platforms and I've, you know, really enjoyed using them and I, I think they have their place, but I think that we can get a little sidetracked by, you know, the new shiny thing and forget that what I believe to be the most important forever tool is to have an email list. So I know that that's not a super like sexy answer in terms of how to stand out, but in terms of how to stay stable and make sure that, you know, you can succeed. I, I think that paying attention to your email list will 
pretty much always ensure that you, you can, you can make money and that you can have a relationship with your audience and that you can ask them what they're interested in and that you can, um, you know, sell things from an informed place. And that sort of interaction and transparency is just invaluable. And so I would say just never forgetting that, you know, that's the bottom line and that really is where you're going to get the most stability is, is what will help you stay, stay strong in this sort of saturated place. I totally agree with that. Like an email list is so important. You know, you own your email addresses and it's so much more personal to give someone your email address is than it is to just simply follow someone on social media. So, you know, those people who decided to hand over their email address in exchange for a freebie or whatever you're offering, you know, those are people that are really your tribe and they're really interested in what you have to say. You know, people just hand out Instagram follows like there's no tomorrow. So you know, having the email address is a lot more important. Plus also, um, you know, you don't have to worry about algorithms with email address, you know, exactly not going to spam. You're pretty much golden. Um, you just have to kind of worry about your headlines and if they're kind of a, like entices people to open, but other than that, you, you don't really have to worry about that much. You just have to worry about, um, providing people with good content, you know, cause on Instagram you could post and then only 10 people see it. Even if it's great, you know, you can't really do anything about it. At least with right. emails, you, you know, you're, as long as you're getting that person's inbox and you have a good title and you have good content, then you're pretty much golden. Exactly. Exactly. Just the level of personal attention is, it's just incomparable to any other platform really. For sure. And you know, a lot of, I work with a lot of bloggers. Um, that, that was never really my intention, but I just ended up working with a blogger and then, you know, the referral snowballed and all that stuff. So now I work with a lot of bloggers and a lot of them don't have email lists. They're like, Oh, what are you doing? Or they're just now starting it. And you know, yes. fashion bloggers don't really feel like email lists are that important, but honestly, I feel like they could triple their affiliate sales if they had an email list or if they utilize exactly. it. So it's like one of those things. I'm like, girl, you need to get an email list. I don't care. You know, if you think that's another thing to keep up with, honestly, people aren't seeing all your Instagram content and your loyal people, they will be interested in your email list as long as you are continuing to provide them with valuable content. And then, you know, just like an email list works for anyone. Like you can exactly. write recipes, you can write about fashion tips. If you're like a business blogger, you can write about like, you know, how to start your business or if your Pinterest strategies, how to, you know, five things to do on Pinterest today to upload your entire game or something, you know, just like there's so many things you can do no matter what niche you're in. So I think it's really important to have an email list and, you know, it's one of the only things you own other than the website. You don't own Instagram, you don't own Twitter, you don't own Facebook. So, you know, if you don't have an email list, get one now or start one now, I guess. <laughs> I totally agree. I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> I'll get off my soapbox now, but honestly, I, I see some. <laughs> no, but you're right. <laughs> I see so many people without them. So I'm like, no, you need to get one. It's not, it's not hard to start. You can use a free tool. You don't have to pay a million dollars to have an email list. You just need to get one going no matter what. Exactly. So. Exactly. And are there any other things that we can kind of do to stay relevant with our audience and make sure that they are, you know, wanting to follow us around instead of just like seeing us, following us and then being like, Hey, I don't really care anymore. Like what are some other things we can do to just 
stay top of mind for our people? Yeah, I think it sounds kind of simple, but something that I think people um, get nervous about doing, even though it's so effective, is uh, just sharing sort of their their own background on whatever it is that they're teaching. So um, even if, you know, someone is a fashion blogger, the more they can talk about what they're wearing and what they learned about certain types of clothes and their experience with it, like that personal connection and touch is so much more valuable than just sort of um, anonymous descriptions of things. And same things with coaches and bloggers and consultants and any anyone basically that is running a business. The more you share your your why and your own background and your own experience and your own lessons, I think you really will worry so much less about competition because no one can compete with your story. It's yours. So the more you can kind of grow into that and not be afraid to share it and be vulnerable, uh, I think the, the more of an edge you're going to have because even if you do do similar work to someone else, people aren't necessarily going to choose you based on the precise work you do. Everyone does similar work as someone else. It's just the world we live in. Like there are, you know, there's more than one corporate lawyer. There's more than one restaurant. Like it, there's always going to be more than one type of thing. And the best way you can make it your own is by simply being yourself and being really up front with that. And I think people get lost in the mix when they're trying to be too much like the quote niche that they're in or what they think that it should be. And um, that just really doesn't connect with people so much as whatever your personal story is. I so agree with that. And it also helps to build the like on trust factor when you are sharing your story because people are going to relate to you. They don't relate to the product that you're selling, but they relate to you as a person. And that's why they purchase has nothing to do with the product you're selling. I mean, of course, like obviously they have to need that product, but you know, you could be selling the best product in the world. And if you don't know how to connect with your audience and really speak to their pain points, then you're not going to sell that product. You're not going to sell right. anything or a service or whatever you're doing. It's just not going to happen. So exactly, exactly. So what is your best piece of advice for new bloggers out there that are wanting to take their blogs to the next level? Just like, it doesn't have to be like with social media or anything like that. Just something like you're like, I need people to know this so that they don't feel so alone in their journey as a new lover. Yeah, I think um, just encouraging everyone and, you know, something I always am trying to remind myself is just to keep thinking bigger and keep realizing that you can push yourself further and there really is no limit on what you can do. And I know that that might sound a little bit cliche, but when you're just starting out with your blog or you're just starting out with your business and I know, you know, I know you and I both have been through how much stuff you kind of have to do during those first couple months or even first couple years, it can feel like you're drowning a little bit. And when you get into those tasks, you know, you sometimes only see the, the, um, the light at the end of the, the, the shortest tunnel, like whatever you're working for in that moment. And that's good. It is good to stay focused, but it's also so important to keep the perspective and stay big picture and realize that you don't need to, you know, settle, um, or, or, or base your goals on where you are right now. And so just to be like, try to give some sort of example to be a bit, a bit less cryptic. Like for example, if you are just starting out and you know, you want to create a product or service. And so you want to create an ebook and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know how to create an ebook. I have to write a whole book. I don't know how to sell it. I don't know how to do this payment processor. I don't know who to sell it to. Like it's, it's a lot and you shouldn't, you know, be too hard on yourself and expect yourself to know how to do that. And 
of us are born knowing how to do that. But when you get into all that, that sort of mud and the to do, you know, and, and then your goal just starts to be something like, well, my goal is to then eventually finish this ebook and sell some of them. That's completely fine, but it's so important to simultaneously remember that you can still be that blogger in a year that is making you know crazy amounts of money every month, or that is selling e-courses, or that is selling full programs. And um, I just want us all to constantly remind ourselves not to get bogged down in the sort of day-to-day uh, -day tasks and forget how much potential you really do have. Yeah, I think that's really important. And because a lot of people do get hung up on those little details and then they just completely, just completely for stop. Like they're just like, okay, right. you know, and that's why a lot of new bloggers I see that I'm getting up and not only that, but there's also information overload. Like people just read 7 million articles, listen to 20 different podcasts, all saying different things. And then they just are so overwhelmed with all the information that they don't even end up starting the blog or starting the business because there's just so much advice out there that they don't know what to take and then they just end up never doing it. And so my right. advice there is just do it. Don't, don't get bogged down by the details. Don't worry about having everything perfect. Like when I first launched my blog back in the day, like three years ago, uh, or actually you know, four years ago now, um, my lifestyle blog, um, when I first launched that, it was just, I, I, it wasn't all about being perfect at that point. So, you know, go back to the root of it all and think about, you know, what do you want it to be? And it doesn't need to be perfect. Like back like four years ago, Instagram wasn't a big, perfect show. It was just people sharing their real stories and their real photos, not all the crazy edits and not the highlight reels. So just think back to, you know, four years ago and, you know, you can always improve your content and you can always improve your photography and all those things, but don't get bogged down with the little details and let the information overload stop you from starting. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because at every up level, there always will be a ton of new information and a ton to learn. So the faster you can get at just moving forward and taking action, the better you're going to get at moving faster in general. Exactly. And like, if you have been launched for about two or three months or so, and you're not seeing the results you want to see, don't get discouraged either. Like it, it, the, it's not, you build it and they'll come. It's you'll build it and it will come over time. Not just a couple of months. You have to be patient with it, especially, you know, with things like Pinterest, if you're trying to use Pinterest to grow your traffic, you really need to be patient with it because Pinterest is a long-term game and it's not like short-term, like, any other social media and a lot of people tend to get frustrated by that but it's important to keep in mind that you know right you're not going to build it and people are going to just walk to it like you have to really work to get an audience and build your audience and then once you do you're golden but those first couple months slash year maybe even a year and a half it's going to be a lot of work so don't get discouraged if you're not seeing like thousands of pages on your first month of book right Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so let's now dive into the three questions that I ask everyone that comes on the show. So what does it mean for okay. you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? To me, being an entrepreneur is about living out your own story and not ever having a part of your life that is um, anonymous or you know necessarily uh, it from a place that isn't 
truly inspired from yourself. And so I think that there's a lot of different ways to, you know, feel like you throughout life live out who, who you are meant to be. And I think if you feel like you're meant to create something, then that's, that's what entrepreneurship is. It's, it's a way for you to honor what you really feel like you were born to do. And I'm just so grateful that we have the vessel to do that. And we have this sort of marketplace and technology and uh, business development in the age we live in now where you can really do it in, in a more innovative way than ever. So to me, it's just about making your own story and you know, making your life and your work your own. And I think my favorite part of it is when it gets to a place where that story that you get to tell and the story of yours that you're creating gets somewhat bigger than just you and you start resonating with other people and you can show them um, what's possible for them as well. And being like, to me, that is uh, live, leaving an imprint in this world. So I think that that's the coolest part. Yeah, no, I love that. That's, that's a good answer. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite tool that you use in your business? So just something that you absolutely could not live without as, your, as a business owner. Um, so I mentioned my email list being my favorite part of my business. And so I guess I would say that my, um, my favorite tools, my favorite tools would be lead pages and active campaign. I think that they're both brilliant and using them together, especially for my email list has been, it's just my favorite way to communicate with people. Yeah. I love lead pages. Um, and I've heard great things about active campaigns. So, um, definitely guys go check them out. If you're to that point, I mean, you can definitely use something that is free. If you're just starting, definitely don't overwhelm yourself with the active campaign because it was a little overwhelming at first. <laughs> Because I've tried yeah. to set up some automations and it was like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> but, um, you know, like you can definitely start with a free tool first. But yeah, lead pages is essential, especially since most email service providers do not have the cutest templates. Like, they are not, yeah. not very attractive. So having some <laughs> pages makes it so much easier to um, create really pretty landing pages in just a couple of minutes. So. Yeah, I love how quick it is. And then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? Just someone who always inspires you and you're always consuming the content that they create and things of that sort. Let's see. Um, I love Brendan Burchard and love uh, what he writes and watching him speak. And then in terms of more practical business, I love Varnoosh Tarabi and her podcast, So Money. And I can't ever get enough of those two. Uh, those are new to me, so I will have to check them out. I usually hear like very <laughs> typical bit, like those online entrepreneurs that everyone knows, but those are definitely new to me. So I will definitely have to go check them out because I always love discovering new, um, new to me entrepreneurs. Who are your favorites? Oh, that's hard. Okay, so right now, <laughs> right now I listen to a lot of stuff from Amy Porterfield. I really like her. And then also, um, yeah, that's pretty much my main one. I listen to a lot of podcasts, though. I'm trying to think. Mm. The Being Boss Girls are really cool. Um, the Think Creative Collective Girls are really cool. Those are, like, the three podcasts I listen to a lot. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I recommend so many, uh, the so many podcasts. She's awesome. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. I'm a podcast obsessed person. Like if I'm not listening 
to a business podcast. I'm listening to a true crime podcast. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> like always listening to podcasts, no matter what. Um, in my downtime, it's like true crime. And then during the day, it's like business focused. But yeah, yeah. to get her this thing. Um, and then can you tell us where we can find you? So your website, your social channels, all that good stuff. Yeah, so my website is urban20something.com and my Instagram is urban20something and so is Facebook. And the 20 is the numbers 2-0. It is not spelled out. Um, and I have a uh, little guide for your readers if they'd like, um, but let me just find the correct URL really quick. And I can link it in the show notes as well so you guys can go and check that out instead of having to remember the URL um, on the fly. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much. But anyway, those are the um, ways to reach me. And sorry, I don't know why the tab shut down for where this is. But... I have a guide that basically goes through my website when I was making the um, couple of hundred dollars a month when it was sort of just for fun and then what it looked like when I was making thousands per month and I sort of did a side by side of what my website looked like as well as what my email list looked like and I just really wanted to be transparent and so the URL is urban20something.com slash income boost. Awesome. Yeah, I'll link that in the show notes too so everyone can go check that out. But that's really cool. I've never seen that like typical resource before. So um, I'll have to look at it too because I'm interested to kind of see um, what has cool. changed from beginning to now. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode 78. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.